I make fast cars for very rich people. We're looking at things that will tell you if you are in danger from threats, missiles and that kind of stuff. I'm going to be joining Airbus Defence and Space as a robotic systems engineer. My role involves designing the electrical systems for large construction sites. I was doing it all uh, and I experienced it all. If you listen to those engineers and thought, I could do that, then you're in the right place. Welcome to I Could Do That, a podcast by Silver Fox and the IET, asking engineers what makes them tick. Hello and welcome to the I Could Do That podcast. I'm Alex, I'm the Head of Research and Development at Silver Fox, and alongside me today I have Tim Erich. Hi Alex. Uh, yeah, my name's uh, Tim Erich. I, uh, I'm a construction director. I work for a company called PowerOn, and what we do as an organisation is uh, predominantly we install last mile assets in utilities, so that could be anything from the majority of the work we do, which is uh, electrical distribution. Um, but we also install gas assets, water assets, fibre assets. It's quite a unique organisation, actually. Um, we install all five key utilities and we're branching out into the heat sector as well. So I've worked for Power On for 11 years now. But if I rewind, I'll, I'll go back to the start of my career. So I originally joined the industry in 1998. Uh, I joined Eastern Electricity initially, working in a in a gas distribution centre in Canvey. Uh, I then moved over to London Electricity Services, and I worked at Heathrow Airport for quite a while. Um, and I did some work at Gatwick and Stansted as well. And again, that was working on the distribution network. I did quite a lot of work at Terminal Five when that was being built. Um, and so very early on, I always had my eye on progression. You know, I was always looking at the next job above me. Um, so I progressed quite quickly through an apprenticeship where I did initially the City and Guilds 2360, which was the uh, electrical installations, because that was that was the only course that was really on offer at the time. They, they weren't running a distribution transmission course at the time. So I did that for a few years and I ended up getting qualified as a HV cable joiner. So I worked as a 11 kV and then eventually 33 kV cable joiner. Then I, I felt like I needed a change. So I left the apprenticeship scheme in 2005 and i got a job working for what was then edf energy working on the metronet scheme on the london underground following on from that i then moved again to capital program in edf energy uh, working in the southern power networks division and that was on the primary and grid regeneration project uh, and that was really the start of my professional career because uh, from that point i was working as initially a fitter substation fits i was panel wiring very quickly moved into site management and then project management but at the same time i was also training to be a protection and commissioning engineer so i had a i had a really unique position in that organization where i was actually working across a variety of different areas so i was commissioning 33 kv switchgear whilst project managing at the same time um, ended up progressing to uh, authorized person I then uh, got my 11 kV senior authorization, but this was right at the point when I then left working for the distribution network operator and going into what was the independent connection provider. It was a bit of a career change and it was quite a steep learning curve as well because I'd initially thought I'd be quite simple, um, but there was all this terminology and all of these processes and systems that had to be learned pretty quickly. So I joined Power On as a construction manager and I was looking after their major projects just 
initially in the London area. But over the next uh, 11 to 12 years, my responsibilities grew, my knowledge grew, and I ended up taking on a regional management position, then ended up uh, in an operational management position, and now I'm a construction director. I'm very into continued professional development. So I was fortunate enough following my initial apprenticeship doing the city and guilds courses to get put on a foundation degree in power distribution at London South Bank University, which then progressed onto a bachelor's degree in electrical electronic engineering. And then um, following on from that, I also did a master's degree in business administration, so MBA. And then in the last couple of years, uh, I gained a chartered engineer status with the Engineering Council through the uh, Institution of Engineering and Technology. You know, throughout my career, I've always been pushing myself to develop myself to the, the next level. I'm currently working on fellowship with the IET. It's difficult because, you know, just trying to find the time. That's that's impressive. A lot of people we've had on this podcast have come either through the degree route or through the apprenticeship route. But you seem to have jumped ship between the two. Yeah. And from my experience, I think it's a better way to develop yourself professionally. I don't want to be controversial, but I'm, I'm not a real supporter of people going to university directly from school. You know, I think that year in industry that some people do is really valuable. But really, the real value is um, for you to gain in your early years when you're motivated and you're young and you're energetic. That practical experience is so valuable. And then when you're a bit older, taking a university route then complements that practical skill that you've earned. I think that brings me quite nicely onto my first proper question is what is the one piece of advice you'd give someone starting out in, in your career? Firstly, you need to really understand what it is you want to do with your life. Um, and if you are uh, wanting to go into a STEM type career, then my advice would always be try to find a job where you can then initially gain that practical experience you know, so apprenticeship schemes are fantastic. There's not enough about, I mean, we've struggled um, in terms of setting up apprenticeship schemes to find viable candidates, which you think is crazy, you know, but it's been really difficult for us. If you look at the way um, society is currently heading or the direction society is currently heading, you know, with all this stuff with AI technology, there's a real risk to sort of white collar jobs. I'd agree with that. I think AI is, is terrifying but also harnessed well is going to be game-changing. I think people need to adapt. It has a lot of potential, you know. Um, where, where you have 20, let's say, software engineers that take months to do something, you know, uh, an AI is able to do that in a very short space of time. It isn't going to take away the creative input, you know, that you need. Mm. But I think, you know, a lot of the younger generation do need to start thinking more about what they can do practically because AI isn't going to replace cable joining. It's not going to replace carpentry or bricklaying. And it can, that can be a very rewarding career to enter into, you know. We'll talk about influential people now, I think. Has anyone influenced you? Yeah, but I've had loads of people influence me over my life. I mean, I suppose the first most influential person in my life for the last almost 20 years has been my wife. Uh, Alba, she's pushed me, she's supported me, she's my biggest critic and my biggest supporter. And without her, I'm not sure I'd be where I am now. So she's fantastic. But in terms of career, initially, I uh, worked with a chap called Dudley Sparks, 
who was a, he's a very senior engineer now in UK Power Networks. It's such a lovely guy, but at the same time, he's, he was really tough. And he taught me so much about protection, control, commissioning, distribution, transmission. And everyone sort of looked up to Dudley, you know, with the greatest respect. Um, so he was very influential. Um, he even, uh, he failed me about four times, I think, on my authorizations for various different things, you know, and you kind of come away from that a bit heartbroken, but you realize that he's, you know, he's trying to teach you something. He's trying to teach you something, you know, and also, you know, I think the key message there is, is not to be afraid to fail. You know, if you do fail, you're going to get another opportunity. It was very influential, um, taught me so much about engineering. And then when I moved to Power On, I was employed by a chap called Bob Theobald. And Bob basically taught me everything about finance, accounting, uh, about leadership, about the behavioural aspects of leadership, um, a bit of psychology as such, and um, supported me through various different transitions in my career as well. And it, again, you know, it wasn't easy. I had a couple of um, moments when through throughout the sort of 12 years I was with Power On where I was thinking, this isn't right for me. I'm not progressing as quickly as I should have done because I was too keen and eager to move forward when I wasn't ready. And Bob really taught me that, you know, there was still more to learn. So we've got such a good team at Power On. It's fantastic. You know, we've got six directors uh, and our MD, Neil, and... All of us get on so well. You know, we're a really solid team. So Neil's built a fantastic team. So again, you know, Neil's been a good influence as well. I could go on. I mean, there's so many people that have influenced me. Yeah, I mean, there's no bad bad place to be having too many people to thank for your career progression and influencing you. But you're clearly a very passionate person. But what about the rest of your life? Is there anything you're particularly passionate about? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate, as I said earlier, about developing myself with new skills over the years I've, I've, I've learned lots of new things and I kind of never stopped so when, when I did my MBA that took a big chunk of my sort of life learning all of these um, wonderful new things in terms of you know my own personal time uh, I, I really got into music production um, so I make um, a variety of different types of electronic dance music drum and bass breakbeat stuff acoustic stuff uh, made a lot of dub stuff recently. I've played the guitar since I was about 11 years old, so I'm quite an accomplished musician. I've recently learned the piano in the last three years, so I've got quite good at that. But, you know, I play, I play the bass, the cello, the banjo, uh, a bit of violin um, and the guitar. So strings I'm really good with. Piano was quite a difficult learning curve, so I started learning that. Um, then I learned, so I bought a license for a piece of software called Ableton, have you ever heard of that about two years ago so i've been really into learning how that software works to the extent where i'm, I'm creating my music i'm mixing and then mastering it using a variety of different techniques plugins and stuff like that so a lot of native instrument stuff a lot of isotope stuff uh, i've got a youtube channel if anyone wants to check it out where you can listen to some of the music i make but just type tim erich into uh into google and you'll find it I think it's uh, Tim Erich, one, two, three. I go under the name GMT, Grandmaster Timmy. So uh, that, that's something I can say. In my spare time, I'm you know, really creative. On top of that, I also learned um, how to use photo editing software. 
So I currently use GIMP, uh, G-I-M-P, uh, and video editing software. Uh, so I use DaVinci Resolve. So I learned how to use DaVinci, GIMP, and then also Ableton. So I can do the whole sort of media thing. Um, and that was partly through uh, another passion of mine, which is skateboarding. So I skateboard in my spare time. And I, I also make a lot of skateboarding videos. So again, on my YouTube, you'll see a lot of skate videos as well as music videos. And prior to that, I was really into martial arts. So for, for, from about 2002 to about 2010, 2011, I was literally training in martial arts three to four times a week. And it was as we had kids and the kids started growing up, it got, and then we moved. So I was living in central London and I moved to southeast London. Um, it got difficult to go to the same place I was going, and I kept finding little schools around the area, but I just couldn't quite commit. So, and then I think from about 2015, you know, it, it went from three times a week to one time a week to once a month to then once a quarter to a big seminar, and then in the end, I just sort of stopped. I'm back on a fitness thing at the moment, though, because we're doing a lot of good stuff at work in terms of our safety behavioral programs where we're really promoting wellness and well-being and health alongside you know the philosophy of being safe so we're trying to move away from safety and construction to more the all-encompassing sort of safe culture so you know how you behave at home is the same to how you behave at work and how you behave at work is the same way you behave at home some people will take more risks at home doing DIY and then, you know, whilst at work, wear all their PPE and stuff and be super uber safe. So we're doing a lot of work in that area. And um, part of that is our, our organisation sponsoring um, MOT health checks and stuff. And I had one of those recently and it's sort of sitting on behind a computer screen all day working and then in my spare time sitting behind a computer screen producing music isn't as good for your health as you would kind of hope. <laughs> no. So, uh, so I'm on pretty, um, I wouldn't say it was a diet. It's a lifestyle change. So I've cut out a lot, of, a lot of bad eating habits, things like bread and pasta and stuff like that. And it's phenomenal. Actually, I've lost quite a lot of weight in just a short space of time, about four and a half kilos in a, just under a month. So pretty close to stone. I think it was it six kilos of stone. Five, five and a half. Yeah something like that yeah i won't say my weight but if i get down to where i want to be by the end of the month then it will be a, a stain of weight loss which is quite phenomenal really wow fantastic it's amazing how you find time to do anything like sit on a podcast with us quite strange that i'm in an engineering job when one of my biggest passions is you know that sort of creative side but engineering can be very creative it isn't just about process procedures you know rules and regulations you must do what this says you know there there are loads of avenues where you can actually express creativity in engineering yeah that's very true that's what this podcast has almost set out to try and prove is how just because you're one thing doesn't mean that you won't make a good engineer just because you think you're not creative or just because you think you're way too creative or too logical or not logical enough there's there's space for pretty much everyone in engineering yeah totally yeah i feel like we sort of answered this already but one unique skill that's helped you in your career yeah so i think my 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 unique skill is that sort of creative side that ability to look at something in a different way out think outside the box that kind of thing 
Um, we're always coming up with new ideas on how to use existing technologies to uh, provide uh, more value in terms of the engineering that we do. Looking at, um, uh, a lot, let's say, an offsite cable route design and finding a unique way of how to get the cable from A to B as opposed to the most expensive way or the sort of gold-plated route as such. I also do a lot of work with, in terms of training and development. That's the, the, that's one of the creative inputs that I have as well. So I do do a lot of stuff where you know we develop induction packs and videos, and I use Adobe Premiere to firstly we record stuff and then we edit it all out and then we create you know nice little neat training packages. We're going to be doing some stuff going forward where we're going to adopt more of that, and it's not really a form of media that I'm that into but you know the reels that you get on instagram and yeah. um uh youtube and what's the other one TikTok. TikTok. there does seem to be um more of a um there does seem to be more of a following for those very short form bite-sized pieces of communication as opposed to the more longer form so i think that's that's the element i bring Fantastic. Lots of elements, actually, I think. You, you've, you've managed to, to show, be creative, I think, with the word creative, but it's definitely a good thing. Many, many facets to your, uh, your career, I think, Tim. Yeah. And again, it's all about having that sort of understanding that every day is a new day. There's something to learn. Not everyone knows everything you can take as much from someone as give as much to someone and you should give as much as you take. And that sort of approach in your career means that you accumulate a lot of knowledge, but you also share. This podcast is produced by the IET and Silver Fox. Silver Fox proudly support engineers around the world with all their cable, wire and pipe labeling requirements. The Fox in a Box thermal printer has the ability to print a whole range of thermal labels with one software, one printer and one ribbon, saving loads of time for engineers out in the field. For more information, please contact Silver Fox.